Football systems check. Microphone. Check. Record enabled. Kate. Check. Michelle. Check. All systems go. I repeat, all systems go. We got a problem. We got a problem. Copy. We have ball blast. I repeat, we have ball blast. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Welcome to the Ball Blast Podcast. Here to help you get ballsy and win your fantasy football leagues. Now, here are your hosts, K. Majuk, Michelle Majuk, and Jake Trowbridge. Ayo! Ayo! Welcome into the Ball Blast Fantasy Football Podcast, where it's our goal to help you get ballsy and win your fantasy leagues. I am your host, Michelle, NFL researcher at NFL Network. I am here with my lovely wife, Kate Majuk, content manager with DraftKings Nation, and Jake Trowbridge, contributor with Matthew Barry's Fantasy Life. What's up, guys? I'm just getting a little sippy sip of my beverage here, <laughs> and I did the worst timing of that. I started to drink right as you were asking the question, and then I bailed halfway through because that's how dedicated I am to this episode. You did? So. I would have just kept sipping, you know? It's not as important to me, apparently. <laughs> the sip is more important. I mean, Jake's just pre-gaming because like last week, we talked about the best values in our fantasy football drafts. This week, we're talking about the worst, but we're going to warm up to the trash talking that's about to ensue. We can't just dive in. That would be rude. That would be unsightly. Uh, so we have to start off, but like... There's no real talk of the town this week, guys. There's no so, big news. No, there's nothing to talk about. So we're in the middle of July. We're gonna make stuff to talk about. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna stir some things up with a little juicy game called Never Have I Ever. You remember this game from you know if you had like uh, grade school campouts or sleepovers or y'all played this school. game in grade school. Great. I don't know. Maybe. What have you I, maybe, done in grade school? I was a real rapscallion, apparently, as a grade <laughs> school kid. Okay, high school then. Maybe you played this in high school. That's that more, more fair. I also okay. never played in high school. Okay, you were a loser. Wow. Oh, I- <laughs> oh my first yes. my first is going to be never have I ever played this in high school. And then I you would have to drink. You have admitted that you, you, know, you weren't the wild child in high school. But look at me now. You were a good girl. Playing fantasy football, never have I ever. (laughs) Uh, That'll show them. Yeah, so so. we're going to play never have I ever. It'll just be a little short game. We'll all go around the room and say one thing we've never done in fantasy football. And then we'll kind of have a discussion around that. So, Jake, let's start with yours. Never have I ever. Uh, I feel like 99% of the fantasy population has to be on the other side of this at some point over the last few years. Never have I ever been a Corey Davis truther. Never have I ever either. I've never fallen for that life. No. Well, you didn't get either of us. We in the 1% over here. I figured at some point with the shuffling of depth charts that he's been involved with and the second, third, fourth, fifth year breakouts everybody's always trying to throw on him. Corey Davis didn't even drink for that one. Like that's where that's where we're at. Do we think he could ever have a Mike Williams 2021 type of year? Because they both were drafted in the same class and they both disappointed for a long time. Mike Williams finally came out last year and broke out. Do we think Corey Davis can ever have that type of year 
he's not really if he was with Justin Herbert then maybe <laughs> what is, yeah. is there any chance of him being good this year he was in drafts he's in like best ball drafts he was in the Scott Fishbowl draft for so long he just sits there nobody wants him what's his upside this year I mean, I ended up taking him super late in Scott Fish just for that reason. I don't think that qualifies me as a truther. I'm just practical about values. But I did take him, yeah, it's like 18th round or something. It's like, yeah, Corey Davis, why the heck not? I know some people are still in on him as, you know, people are getting very excited about Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson, the rookie, and people are thinking, what if for the first half of the season, Corey Davis is kind of the thing at least? And I could see that. But no, a Mike Williams season, probably not. Yeah, I don't think so either. He did lead the Jets in uh, receiving yards per game last year. So he was the top guy. But I just think Elijah Moore in a second season, Garrett Wilson, like maybe I feel like teams should be calling around and asking for the like a trade cost for Corey Davis. Like the fact that Pack- Packers, you know, aren't on the phone with the Jets and be like, hey, what would you take for him? Because he would, Corey Davis would instantly be their best wide receiver. I don't Absolutely. think he's a bad wide receiver. I just don't think he has like any ceiling at all. Yeah. I think yeah. that's like a tough, uh, it's a tough like line to toe there because like for fantasy, even though I think like he could be in the ideal situation. I don't know that I'm still going to uh, go out and pursue him for like, would you be actively pursuing him for your fantasy teams? If he did get traded to the Packers. I might, but I'm a homer, so that doesn't really count. But I, think I would definitely be way more show. interested. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, you'd be more homer. interested. But I also think that Corey Davis brings something to the Jets. So, like, if I'm the Jets, I don't want to trade Corey Davis. So, eh. Gross. Gross. <laughs> yeah, I just want to move on yeah. from this because there's just not <laughs> enough. I'm not going to make it much better. So, my never have I ever, never have I ever. I guess it would just be last year, but people were into this. And I'm going to name two people just to make the pot bigger. Never have I ever drafted Miles Gaskin or Mike Davis. Ooh. You're drinking, Jake? Drank. I got Jake. That's so rude to put two players back to back like that, though. I, I would have been fine. I would have been fine if it was just Miles Gaskin, but I was the guy who believed in Mike Davis as part of the Arthur Smith Atlanta Falcons in that backfield. So I'm dumb. So Mike Davis and Miles Gaskin falls into this. Well, someone has to take carries in this backfield, and they're going to have the lead role, even though the offense is pretty bad. And I, I, I didn't fall for it last year. Who do we think falls into that category this year? Although my answer doesn't really fit the same type of thing, but I think he's going to be a massive disappointment in the middle of these rounds like this guy. So, But I'll let you guys give your answer first. I think I think there's like a handful of these middle guys every year. And I think for me, a little bit's going to be Devin Singletary this year. And it's going to be, well, again, somebody in that backfield still has to do it. Maybe people believe in the rookie, but I think a lot of people are still wanting Devin Singletary, at least for the start, to kind of be that guy. And I'm not in on it. I don't dig it. Uh, I actually think uh, he's just going to be like taken over by the next Atlanta Falcons King Cordero Patterson like people are going to look at Cordero Patterson as though like and that's how we kind of approach Mike Davis it's not like anybody really wanted Mike Davis but everybody was like oh I mean he's gonna probably touch a football at some point this like (laughs) that's kind of how we approach this and I do think that people are probably going to approach Cordero Patterson 
in a similar way, especially with the way that he sort of tailed off at the end of that year. But I mean, like Chase Edmonds, I think again, same team, Miles Gaskin. Chase Edmonds, Chase Edmonds my is going to be that same guy that people are like, well, somebody's going to touch the ball. He's a good receiver. Like, but I just don't think that's what we're, I don't think that's where we're headed. Like I, my guy that it's the same exact backfield, but it's Chase Edmonds for me. I think he'll have fine weeks. Like I think he'll be all right. I just think it's going to be gross and definitely like anyone that you can name on the Texans, like whoever you're naming. Yeah. Damian Pierce will be RB one. Someone has to touch the ball, (laughs) but it's most likely not going to matter at all. All right. Uh, Kate, what was your never have I ever? Never have I ever been in on Cam Akers. <laughs> well, what if you are this offseason kind of? I, I'll take a sip. I think that qualifies. Yeah, okay. I think you're in on. You're I'm, currently in what? on them. You're in on Cam. A- what? I'm not like all the way in, but I'm in on the volume he's going to get. I don't know if he's going to get. Why would you feed because Cam? He did it five months. Sean McVay fed Cam Akers a massive Thanksgiving dinner. Six months <laughs> after tearing his stupid Achilles, and he when was it the... meant the most. It was like the most important games, and it did not matter. He went away from Sony Michelle. Daryl Henderson was injured for the most of the time when he was getting fed. But was Sony Michelle healthy? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he as healthy as Sony Michelle ever really is, which is like my my level of health on any given day. <laughs> not great, Bob. I just I... Sean McVay uh... wants Cam Akers to be a thing. But I also think with Daryl Henderson heading into his final season, presumably with the team, why not like ride him into the sunset, you know, give Cam Akers some more breathing room. Like anytime Daryl Henderson has touched the ball, he's been fantastic. He's been efficient. He's been more efficient than Cam Akers. I think Sean McVay likes Daryl Henderson. He just likes him a little better when he can, I don't know, play because he's healthy. Do you know, that Daryl Henderson had the most uh, end zone targets among all running backs last year. Five That's nuts. He only had one touchdown out of it. Not great. But so, but this is if Cam Akers is going to start to be used more, maybe he sees those targets. I think Cam Akers will start and get the majority of the workload. We'll see if his body can hold up. We'll see if he can become more efficient than he was last year. Now he was never efficient ever in his career in college, in his rookie season. But I am kind of in on it because I think Sean McVay is so in on him that I'm a little tiny bit in. I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm more in on on Daryl Henderson. I think I'd be more in on Jake Funk at cost over Cam Henderson where you have to draft him. I just just don't want any part of it. I mean, I'm I'm 100% with you, Jake. Uh, Don't. No. (laughs) No. Jake, did you have any more? Do you have any more? I want to throw I want to throw one more out there that's kind of relevant, I think maybe potentially this year. Never have I ever been in on Devonte Parker as a oh. fantasy relevant guy. I feel like I have to chug my drink. I feel like I have to drink as well. <laughs> I had him ranked so high after his breakout year. I truly believe in him and I kind of believe in him again this offseason i can't quit no! Devontae parker i'll take a big gulp for that one but you're in on him because of the absolute desperation on the wide receiving death chart or something else i think he's a pretty good wide receiver i really do 
And we, we saw the talent during his breakout year. And I, I think he's better than any wide receiver on the Patriots. Jacoby Myers is a fine talent, but I think Kendrick Bourne is the best. Has there ever been the someone Patriots. more under undervalued, but overvalued than Jacoby Myers? Like under yeah. so Weirdly. underrated, but overrated because people who I guess like the mainstream listeners aren't like obsessed with Jacoby Myers, but like the people who are, are really, really deep, like they're just obsessed with Jacoby Myers. It's like, okay, he's not that good. He's all right. He's, he's fine. Divisive. Yeah, yeah. Like he's fine. It, he's not elite in any way, shape or form. And I don't think Devontae Parker is either, but I do think he's the best wide receiver for on the Patriots. And I think Mac Jones is actually a pretty good quarterback at throwing the ball. So I think he's going to be able to be very accurate and get Devontae Parker the ball. It's not like Parker's a great separator, but I think he'll be able to make those contested catches. And The awkward thing is going to be when Hunter Henry finishes as the team's wide receiver one. I think it's going to be Parker. <laughs> nope. I think Devontae Parker is a very good real-life football wide receiver that is just never going to be really it for but fantasy it's JP, never gonna be what we want it to be he already finished top 10 didn't he one time i think the one time ago. probably jarvis <laughs> landry was out for the season or something or maybe he had just gotten traded to the browns i don't know it was literally only Devontae parker it was with ryan know. fitzpatrick oh there you go fitzpatrick will do that to you yeah, you know? he needed that's when they went to Tua. i was sad because as long as it was fitzpatrick parker was great that, you know, it's not to his fault. It's just Fitzpatrick throws that ball up like no other. I don't know if Mac Jones is going to do that. He's not really the same type of player, but he will get it to him accurately. And I, I think he's willing to throw it deeper to him and let him try to win. So I'm excited to see if Parker can be something. I would say like a wide receiver three type, right? Like he, he won't be a top 25 wide receiver, but maybe wide receiver 30, wide receiver 35. I think his price is fair. All right. Well, now, uh, I mean, that was kind of a mean segment. I know. I, I was trying like, to, like. I felt like we were trying to be upbeat there, but we actually ended up tearing guys down, and we're going to continue to do that. We're Never gonna... have I ever believed in you. <laughs> so <laughs> we're going to continue that trend. You know, some episodes can't be positive. Sometimes you have to talk about the players you're avoiding. Because If you want important. positive, go back and re-listen to last week's episode. Yeah. Last week's episode was all positive. And we'll get back on the positive trend next week. But right now, we're going to talk about worst valued players. And now, we kind of took it differently, right? It can mean players that we just think are going way too high in drafts. Or players that... They're not necessarily going high, and but some might consider them values because they're not going high, and you think, no, it's a trap. It's a trap. They're not a good value. So we're going to be discussing those guys. We'll each name two. Jake, start with your first one. Mine falls into the trap category here because there is a good chunk of people out there excited that Miles Sanders' ADP is the lowest it's been in quite some time. He's sitting at RB25 currently in full PPR. And they're like, wow, he's being valued as not even a, a running back to, not even a top 24 guy. Swell. Well, if you like your running backs without any touchdown upside whatsoever, then he is the guy for you. Last year on this team, on this Eagles team, the percentage of rushing attempts inside the five-yard line, 
That metric was led by their quarterback, Jalen Hurts, at 36%. And then it was Boston Scott at 28%. And then it was Jordan Howard, who only played in seven games, at 17%. And then it was Miles Sanders. Yeah, he missed a few games, but that is just inexcusable. So he finishes with zero touchdowns, but it's not just last year. I know that that's the recency bias here potentially kicking in. But if we look at 2019, 2020, all three years he's been in the league so far, he's never had more than six total touchdowns in a season. Dak Prescott has twice as many rushing touchdowns through the first three years of his career than Miles Sanders, who is an actual NFL running back. That's a great stat. It's so ridiculous. So if you're in a running back and you're not scoring touchdowns, you had better be getting a decent share of targets. That's the only way you're going to make up the fantasy golf here and pay off for us. The problem is we saw Kenneth Gainwell last year eat into that target share. And it didn't matter if it was, you know, I know people are thinking, well, Miles Sanders was out for a few games. So, of course, he had more targets. He was getting more targets when Miles Sanders was actually playing. It is impossible to win you fantasy weeks if you can't get a touchdown and you're not catching a lot of passes as a running back. It just doesn't happen in his career. He has had 18 of his 40 career games finish with single-digit fantasy points. That is an absolute killer. Absolute killer. He's only had 12 games with 15-plus fantasy points over those 40. That's just 30%, by the way. Compare him to Clyde Edwards-Lair, who's actually going a couple of spots behind him. CEH has done significantly better than that. He's only had 26% of his games with single digits. He's had 35% of them with 15-plus. And he had his massive injury concerns last year, which was bringing all these numbers down. Miles that, Sanders could be going as RB40. Surgery. That dang gallbladder surgery. Yeah. Well-documented gallbladder surgery. Yes. Yeah. I, I he mean, dropped Sanders... down to 160 pounds, <laughs> that little frame of his. He's the exact opposite of Leonard Fournette. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that could have been our talk of the town. Uh, yeah. Also, not very positive news. Um, I don't know if you guys, like, what's your favorite nickname that you've seen for Leonard Fournette so far? I'm biased marginally because I came up with Leonard four servings. Michelle, what? <laughs> I what think I have to choose that one. <laughs> I think I have to choose that one. I think I'll get in trouble if I don't, but that was a good one. Leonard four servings. Uh, that, I is so saw... mean. that is so mean. That is the meanest well, thing I've tweet... ever heard you say. I tweeted it out and I said, uh, something about me eating my fifth serving of breakfast. So like, I'm not one to talk guys. I'll, I'll <laughs> eat five servings of mimosas in like a minute. Like Ugh. I'm, I'm not one to talk, but I also saw Leonard fork net. Oh, <laughs> did you guys Dear see the tweet Lord. about, uh, that Leonard Fournette tweeted Zeke? No. Uh, like years ago, uh, Ezekiel Elliott said like, Hey, my birthday's coming up. What are y'all getting me or something like that? And Gwyneth Fournette said, a treadmill, fat ass. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I retweeted well, that today. Yep. Look um, what's coming home to roost, Lenny. Be careful Zeke, the things you the say table. <laughs> Zeke really needs to come out with a, with a tweet coming back at that. 
Yeah. It, uh, back in July 19th, 2018. Uh, Brutal. Yeah. It, but Jake, I completely, I'm with you here with Miles Sanders getting back on track because with seeing Miles Sanders cost, I thought, okay, I need to be in on him. I really did. So I was trying to build a case for him. Yeah. I do think he's a trap, but like you, Michelle, I tried, I tried to make it work. <laughs> like I'm like literally fishing for reasons like to buy into Miles Sanders because I mean, I, I wasn't initially in that like boat where I was like, Miles Sanders is the guy, like he was the darling of fantasy football for such a long time. It feels like never panned out. I wasn't necessarily in on that, but I was like, there has to be something that I was missing. So like now that the ADP has come down, I can buy in, but then I realized there's literally no statistical reason to buy into Miles Sanders. And it sucks. Yep, I agree. All right, my guy, I don't want people to get mad at me about him. I'm not saying he's going to be terrible for fantasy. I'm not going to, I'm not saying he's going to bust. He's just a little bit pricey for my taste. And it's DeAndre Swift. I think he's being overvalued right now. He's going as the RB8. He finishes the RB10 in fantasy points per game last year. That's really great. That's awesome. It was his breakout. And I can see why people expect him to get better going into his third year. He was utilized a lot in the passing game, but I don't think it's going to get better for him because he splits a backfield with Jamal Williams. They both played 13 games last year. Jamal Williams actually led with carries with 153 compared to Swift's 151. And yeah, we don't really care about the carries, right? We care about the receptions and DeAndre Swift is definitely the receiving back in this offense. I get that. But I, I don't know if we're going to see the same amount of targets as last year, the same kind of volume, because you have DJ Chark added. You have Jamison Williams added whenever he comes in. You have a healthy TJ Hawkinson. You have Amon Ross St. Brown, who will now be a, a big target guy in this offense. Last year, when Swift was getting so many targets, that was with Anthony Lynn as a play caller. He was offensive coordinator. He got his play calling duties stripped away from him after they started 08 and one. And that's when the team moved over from, you know, barely targeting any of their wide receivers to targeting them on Ross and Brown nonstop with Dan Campbell as a play caller. Anthony Lynn is now gone. Now we have Dan Campbell still there. Who knows if he's going to call players or whatnot, but it's not going to be Anthony Lynn who absolutely loves targeting his running backs in the passing game. Now just, Overall, the Lions were so much better when they didn't utilize Swift a ton in the passing game, right? He's still going to get his targets, but you, he can't be the top guy there. Uh, through the first 12 weeks, they only scored more than 20 points in one game. That was week one. And then Swift gets hurt for the majority of the remaining of the season, and they scored 29, 30, 29, and 37 points in four of their last six games. That was utilizing him on Ross St. Brown. That worked better for their offense. I think they're going to get these wide receivers much more involved. I don't think Swift is going to get this crazy amount of targets. You'll still get a lot, not crazy amount. And I'm just not willing to take him that high. If I want a running back like him, I'll just take Travis Etienne as RB23, 24. Like that's the appropriate price, not RB8. I mean, I think it's totally on point. Like, DeAndre Swift uh, just absolutely dominated, ranked fourth among running backs in targets, and yet still he finishes RB10. Like, that should be boosting your upside so far out the wazoo. And there's no, there's no, like, earth that I can envision 
where DeAndre Swift, uh, again, finishes top five among running backs, just with the situation shifts, with the changes in like the Lions personnel, with their addition of wide receivers. It's not like they have the best wide receiver core in the world, but once Jamison Williams is back on track, once, I mean, like DJ Chark, maybe not wide receiver one material, but he's going to see... What five targets per game? He's better than Khalif Raymond. Yes, I'll give him that. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that to my guy, (laughs) Khalif. I just don't think that there's any sort of like I don't know. What do you think the chances are of him having 76 targets in 2022? I don't think it's great. I think I think I don't think that's a crazy, crazy amount because he did have 76 in 13 games, but that's kind of like. I'm not going to put him higher than that. And as I said, with those targets, he finished as RB10 in fantasy points per game. I have him as my RB11 this year. I just think RB8 is too high. There's other guys that are going later that I think have higher potential even or just are safer. They're not splitting a backfield like he is. So I just, I think he's too risky. And I think people are expecting him to hit like 100 plus targets. And I don't think that's happening this year. Unless, again, they have all the injuries in the world again, and who knows. But I, I just can't get him that high. Jake, where do you – do you think he has top five potential? No, I think I'm actually lower on him than you are. When you said RB11, that actually shooketh me a little bit. Oh. I, I couldn't get him <laughs> close to a, a top 12 here. Uh, there's just no way that I'd feel comfortable with that. I, I actually like the call-out with ETN this year because I feel like it was a little bit – of the situation that Swift was in last year. It kind of felt like he was being valued closer to ETN this year, which is the only reason I ended up with him in any drafts. So the fact that he's, you know, boosted so high in ADP means I am steering clear. Yep. And I, so last episode, if you didn't listen, ETN was one of my favorite values. If ETN was going as RB8, I'd be out, but he's not. He's going many, many picks after that. So that's what, because I, I really do think they're like in very similar situations, but ETN, I, if I had to put a bet down to say who will get more targets next year, I think ETN will get more targets than Swift. Yep. But uh, all right, Kate, who, who's your, uh, who's your first guy here that's overvalued? I'm going to go with Darren Waller and I hate, uh, I hate to root against Darren Waller because I think uh, the talent is there. We're investing in an offense with the Raiders that like Derek Carr just ranked six in the NFL for pass attempts. Like I get, I get where things are headed. I a hundred percent understand that uh, like the presence of Devonte Adams totally shifts the coverages. Like Darren Waller, I think is very unique, impossible to cover, but I'm just like, I can't get over the hump in terms of, the target share and where I'm projecting this target share. I think he's going to be one of those, those tight ends that ends up kind of in this tight end dead zone. And again, it's not, Ooh, we though... have a tight end dead zone now tight, running back dead zone, yes. tight end dead zone. It's only the middle rounds are meant for wide receivers and wide receivers only. Yes. I mean, I'm getting very strict on that, Like, <laughs> but Darren Waller, he's the tight end five, which like, Again, like, could he finish as the tight end five? A hundred percent. But like, I also think you're drafting him to finish as the tight end five if everything goes perfectly. But like, I I took a look at my projections. I took a look at um, just what Derek Carr has done throughout his career. 
Um, yes, ranked six in uh, pass attempts among quarterbacks last year, 626 attempts. But prior to that, his entire career outside of that season had averaged just under 550 pass attempts per year. Like, I'm not, I'm not buying into Derek Carr as a, a 626 pass attempt guy in 2021. Darren Waller, his his target share has been so high over the last three seasons. Second most targets among all tight ends, only behind Travis Kelsey. Him and Kelsey are the only two tight ends that had an average uh, of at least eight targets per game in that same span. But like, guys, we have to buy into the fact that he's going to continue at that pace if we're going to really return much value at tight end five. Like, it's not even necessarily the the drafting position of tight end five, but he's being drafted as the 43rd pick off the board on average. So 43, that puts him right around third round, third and a, third, third and a half rounds. Like it, the it mid just, third. Oh, mid third. Yes. <laughs> Excellent word wordage. Yeah. Excellent word wordage um, there. Shell bell. Um, I like, I can't get third and a half rounds out of my head. Oh my God, the <laughs> mid third. <laughs> I'm literally, in, I'm doing, I need to do that stroke thing where you like. Uh, do you smell you toast? Know? Is that what? I have very bad sense of smell. Oh, um, that's actually. never going to work for you then. I, I don't know how to diagnose so, oh, you. Okay, darn it. Um, but I like Darren Waller. So like, I mean, the gap between tight end five where Darren Waller is being drafted and Dalton Schultz, tight end six. Dalton Schultz is going in like the fifth, sixth round on average. But Darren Waller, you you still have to pay pay up. You have to pay the piper. And I would rather Dalton Schultz than Darren Waller. What about you, Jake? Yeah, and I would straight up do Dalton Schultz over Darren Waller. So that extra yeah. discount, absolutely. And the issue, though, like when you pass on Darren Waller is that you do know the upside. He's been the tight end three and – over the last three seasons combined, third most fantasy points among tight ends. Like, but that has been with a ginormous target share. You have the breakout of Hunter Renfro. And no, I don't like Hunter Renfro is not the team's wide receiver one now, but I think they kind of unlocked something with him that they're going to continue to use. You have Devontae Adams, who you did not trade for and pay to sit him around with 120 targets per season. I just think that there is, there are, there are plenty of weapons now. I don't think Derek Carr is going to continue to force feed. Uh, I, like I, I just, I don't see it. I think that this, he feels like a trap to me and I, I don't want to be trapped anymore. I would prefer to take Kyle Pitts uh, around earlier because at least I feel comfortable with that target share. I uh, Darren Waller is just really hard to project right now. I have him right around 120 targets, which well, I'll say feels this is reasonable. I'll say it's perfect because Jake's second guy goes with this pick, right? One of them is most more than likely going to be a disappointment. And I'll throw out a little nugget here before we get to your guy. Um, there was no team last year that had three guys at 18 plus percent target share. 
And it's really hard to be fantasy relevant if you're not hitting that marker. You kind of need to hit over that, right, to be at least consistent or even close to consistent for fantasy of your team's target share. And there is no team that came close to three guys at 18-plus percent. So most likely one of these guys are going to be the odd man out. So, Jake, talk about your your Raider. Well, yeah, this is just a crap on the Raiders episode, but I yeah. am out on Hunter Renfro here. And I'm even higher on Derek Carr than Kate is, but I don't believe that Hunter Renfro, who is currently going at wide receiver 32, really had a breakout so much as he was allowed to open the lid up a little bit and see some sunlight last year. And then they're just going to slam the lid back down on him this year because Devontae <laughs> Adams is in town. And although I absolutely agree that Darren Waller is not a tight end I'm going to be drafting, I do believe that he will get a higher target share than Hunter Renfro. So I do want to piggyback on the target share argument because that is it for this year for the Raiders team. It all comes down to what happens with Devontae Adams, I think. So over the last three seasons with Aaron Rodgers, obviously a different team, but he averaged a 32% target share. So he's going back to play with his target. Uh, excuse me. He's going back to play with his college buddy. I don't, I'm not expecting 32% here, but it's worth keeping in the back of your head. Darren Waller, on the other hand, 24.5% he averaged over the last three years. The backfield target share, 22.5% over the last three years. And this isn't even a backfield that anybody's excited about from a target's perspective, but they always have a gaggle of guys who get the work. So that's not going away. It's a real gaggle. If you add all that up, that's about an 80% target share that is consumed. Now, yes. One or more of those guys could take a step back, meaning Darren Waller and Devontae Adams could very likely both of them take a nudge into the negative for their target share. But is it going to be enough for a guy like Hunter Renfro, who's really just our generation's Jarvis Landry? That's what he is. He's he's really good at what he does, but what he does isn't relevant for fantasy football unless he is consumed with targets. And I don't know our generation, Jarvis Landry, um, like Jarvis Landry, (laughs) like he's, he's like 45, right? Jarvis Landry is younger than every single person (laughs) hosting this podcast. Our generation, our generation, he's 29. Uh, I work in generational increments. I don't follow the typical Gen Z, Gen X rules. Okay. It's it's a different thing. It's a micro generation thing. You wouldn't understand. You're too old. He's Jarvis Landry one year later than Jarvis Landry. (laughs) (laughs) But my point being, these guys are great for fantasy if they soak up all the targets and they're just not if they don't. It's that's all there is to it. And they're both really good football players. But my whole thing is just, even assuming something gives for Devontae Adams or for Darren Waller or for both of them, I'm not left believing that there's enough of the pie for Hunter Renfro to really, I pass, I pass on that fake safe option for me. I'd rather take the guys going well after him with a lot more upside. Rashad Bateman's going several spots later. Like absolutely give me him over Hunter Renfro. Yeah. He's the number one. So it just feels like this is a trap in terms of the the fake safety, you know, value here. And also just a parting shot, nine touchdowns last year. There is not a chance in hell. He comes close to nine no. touchdowns this year. No, I'm with you. Like so many guys going after him with a uh, higher upside and Elijah Moore and Juju and Devonta Smith and 
uh, like you said, Rashad Bateman. And even if you don't want to get risky with that and you're like, I'm looking for someone safe, then take Robert Woods. Like if you're looking for a safe guy that can get a lot of targets and you, that's what you're looking for. Obviously Hunter Renfro didn't tear his ACL last year, but I, I just would much rather go with Robert Woods, who we know is a wide receiver one basically for the Titans, than worry about if Hunter Renfro could be the third target on that team, honestly, because even if Darren Waller does disappoint, he could still be the second most targeted guy in the team. It's just Devonte Adams might just take such a big piece of the pie that it's going to be hard to, um, you know, make anyone else super fantasy relevant. That's all. All right. My guy love talent, hate the fantasy player, Terry McLaurin. He's going as a wide receiver 16 still. I mean, I guess he's still going that high because everyone sees the talent and like he probably should be better for fantasy. It just has never worked out yet. But wide receiver 16, he was a wide receiver 29 in 2019, both year end total and fantasy points per game. Wide receiver 20 in 2022 and wide receiver 25 in 2021. He played all 17 games. He was a wide receiver 32 in fantasy points per game last year. So again, never coming close to that wide receiver 16 value. And this is all when he's seeing all of the work with the commanders these last three years. He has accounted for 28.8% of Washington's receiving yards since 2019, since being drafted by the team. There's only been three guys that had a higher percent of their team's total receiving yards during that time. It was Devontae Adams, it was DJ Moore with the Panthers, and it was Cooper Cup with the Rams. Then it's Terry McLaurin. So he's getting all the work, yet he still is not coming. He still has not come close to being like, oh, yeah, he's worth wide receiver 16. And then now they trade up. They get Jahan Dotson wide receiver. He's going to take a lot of targets. Like there was nobody there last year to compete for targets. Now they add Jahan Dotson. Curtis Samuel should be back, who they gave a pretty solid a deal to a decent amount of money to last offseason and then missed pretty much the entire season. So now there's other guys there that can steal targets. We don't even ever talk about Diami Brown. They dropped him in the third round last year. People had high hopes. So there's just a lot more. Yeah, but Michelle, he didn't break out in his rookie season. JD McKissick maybe can stay more healthy. Way, way more options than there's ever been playing with Terry McLaurin. So whatever tiny upgrade you get with Carson Wentz going there at the quarterback position compared to the other quarterbacks that McLaurin has had to play with, I think that's kind of like, it doesn't really matter. It's kind of just crossed out because now you're adding in so many other targets. It's like, I don't know if he's going to really see much more than that. So I don't see there to be the upside there to take him at wide receiver 16. I don't even see the safety there to take him at that either. There's only been two two uh, seasons where a wide receiver averaged more than 12 fantasy points per game in a season with Carson Wentz and PPR scoring. That was Michael Pittman last year, 14 fantasy points per game. He ranked as a wide receiver 27 on the season in points per game. And then Alshon Jeffrey back in 2018, he averaged 14.3 fantasy points per game. That was good enough for wide receiver 22 on the season and fantasy points per game. It's like, is that his upside? Maybe his upside is wide receiver 15, right? But it's like, ugh, I don't know. Like everything has to go perfectly for him to even get that. I'm out. I'm out on Terry McLaurin in, fan- in fantasy football. It sucks though, because you love, like you do love the talent of Terry McLaurin. And I do think um, just overall kind of an underrated wide receiver, although apparently not for Madden, 
because Terry Terry McLaurin made the top ten and not, in, and not underrated in, in terms of money either. He's making top ten wide receiver, but just money. absolutely wild though. He made the top ten in Madden rating over Jamar Chase. Over Jamar Chase. It's nonsense. I didn't realize Madden was in on a clickbait game, but apparently they are. <laughs> I mean, it, it's all a rat race, man. It's all a rat race. Right? All right, Kate, close us out with your last guy. All right, my last guy. Not the most exciting thing, but I do think this is kind of like me writing a post-it note to my future self because I don't want to fall back into this trap because I've almost done it like six times this off season. I'm like, Ooh, I get intrigued. And then I remember I'm like, I can't like, I just don't think, I think that it's a trap. Jameis Winston QB 22. I think it's a trap. We know the upside 30 for 30, baby. Like we know he has QB one upside, but there are so many reasons that like just red flag, red flag, red flag that are telling me not to buy in, even though he is not expensive at all at his current cost. I think what draws you in is that knowledge of the upside. You know his history. But here's the thing. Situation-wise, uh, just not really sure what to expect from this team um, in terms of like coaching. Their team's uh, former defensive coordinator took over as the head coach we always know what happens when defensive minded coaches take over an offense. Like it, it, in general, obviously you have a, a separate offensive coordinator, but I, it just happens every year. Every single time a defensive minded head coach takes over, we just see that be the shift of focus for the team. The team is ranked 19th or lower among NFL teams in pass attempts in all but one season since 2016. Like, this is already a team that, as they shifted away from Drew Brees uh, and improved on their defense, they cut back on those pass attempts. Just two of his seven active games with the teams did he have 30 or more pass attempts outside of his five touchdown uh, performance and his four touchdown performance. He threw a total of five touchdowns in all of the other games. Like, that's not good. That's I, I, not I think upside. you're only trying to talk yourself out of Jameis Winston. Everyone's like, yeah. Yeah, Kate. I don't know. Yeah. I'm I'm still, <laughs> I've been dabbling with falling into this trap, so I think I need to hear this. <laughs> no, like I, no, but this is me every single time I'm looking for a value. Because like. You do like I will check ADP and I'm looking at ADP and I'm like, oh, Jameis Winston, QB 22, like instinctually feels low because again, you know, the upside, but could be without Alvin Kamara for six games. It, Michael Thomas, nobody knows what's going on with Michael Thomas. Alvin Kamara, like though, you know, you think of him as a running back, like his splits uh, when he's with the team, when he's not actually like kind of significant, like even for the passing stats, but um, like almost five fewer points per game uh, scored by the offense in games where uh, Alvin Kamara is not present. That's an eight game sample size. It's not a huge sample size, but uh, fewer pass yards per game, fewer uh, yards per pass attempt. Like this is a less efficient team without Alvin Kamara. I don't think that necessarily changes uh, without him 
this season, especially just with the changes. I don't know. I need this again. This is me setting a reminder for myself. Don't fall for it. I like it. <laughs> I like it. I mean, outside of those two boom games, literally through five touchdowns and three interceptions. Here's in the a problem. Five game span. I am going to forget this when I am on the clock drafting in a month and a half. I am going, I know I am because I'm going to see Chris Olave, who I like as a rookie receiver there. I'm thinking maybe mm -hmm. Michael Thomas will actually come back. It could, it could happen this year. I bet he can. And it, and it, well, oh, Jarvis Landry, we were just talking about him. I mean, he's the previous generation's Hunter Renfro. He could be really good for James. <laughs> I just, I'm going to forget it all. And I'm going to, and this probably really only matters for super flex or two quarterback leagues. Like I can't imagine too many people have talked themselves into drafting Winston in a one quarterback league. Maybe, but, but I do think that could change. Like if we start getting more reports about his health, like I, I've said this before. I've actually been really impressed with the Saints roster. Looking at the Saints roster, I'm like, oh, this is actually like, this is a pretty solid roster that they have constructed. Like I think one of the more underrated offensive, like starting units in the NFL, because nobody talks about them. Like you don't have all the flashy players anymore. Like it's a new generation now, but. I do think it's an underrated team. And I think if we continue to get reports on Jameis Winston's health, if I think we hear he's going to be ready for week one, he's going to be ready. Well, he better be. I mean, yeah, but I'm saying like once we start getting the reports, like it's all these things that we know in the back of our heads. But once you hear the reports, that's when the buzz starts. That's when people start buying in. And I do need to remind myself that I do think his ADP is going to go up before the season. Like I could picture him being drafted uh, by the time season starts right around like QB 15. And no. All right. So say you're in a two, you're in a super flex league or two quarterback league, and you're looking for a second guy. Who would you rather go with for just 2022? Is it Jameis Winston or Zach Wilson? Cause they're going pretty much back. Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston. Absolutely. Even with all everything you just said, Kate, I still, I can't, it's not about Jameis being good as much as it is me being terrified for Zach Wilson. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh. Mitch Trubisky or Jameis Winston? Jameis Winston. I like he's Mitch. The starter. I'll take, I'll take Mitch. Carson Wentz or Jameis Winston? Jameis Winston. I think I'd actually go with Carson Wentz. Which is gross, but I would go with Jameis Winston there. I, I agree. I think I don't think the I don't think with this the the issue isn't that he's going as quarterback twenty two, right? That's pretty late. But you're just saying I don't think I'm gonna. They're basically saying there's it. no reason to pick him because you don't think even at quarterback yes. twenty two he's going to give you. I that. don't think the up like though the upside has been there for him in the past. I think like I don't think the upside is there right now. Despite my love for the roster, despite, um, I, you know, I really like Jameis Winston, like in what he can do with this team. I hope that he continues to mature as a quarterback, like with a, a better coaching staff than he had in Tampa Bay. But for fantasy, I do think they've wrangled him in a bit and I'm all right. Yeah. I love mm -hmm. it. I love these next week. 
we'll get more positive, but I'm sure we'll have some friction because we're gonna be doing some fantasy debates. We're gonna bring <laughs> our we're gonna be debating each other, which we had some amazing ones last year. Some great conversation where Jake um made me look stupid. Uh, if you were to go back and listen, uh, I debated for Brandon Ayuk, and he came in strong for Debo Samuel. I thought I won so easily. I hear Debo Turns did out, good no. last year. But we, and then Kate and I had a debate about Dak Prescott and Jalen Hurts. I came on the top there. And then there was the Zeke Elliott versus Aaron Jones. I feel like nobody was a winner there. They're just kind we're of all just evened out there. Yeah. yeah. We kind of but, evened out. We'll have fun with it again this year. It'll be a great show, so make sure you don't miss that. If you, any, if you have any questions before then, you can find me, Michelle, on Twitter at BallBlastEm, BallBlastEm. And you can find me, Kate, at FFBallBlast. You can find me, Jake, at Jake Trowbridge with a W. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye. That's it for this week's Ball Blast Fantasy Football Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, leave those five-star reviews, and check out ballblastfootball.com for more league-winning advice.